Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the Purple and Gold Lounge, episode 28, PGL Trades and Rumors Special with Scoop B. This is the Purple and Gold Lounge, where colors are the only thing majestic about these bros. But I'm beautiful. Get a hold of yourself, kid. These siblings just suck the gravity out of the podcast world. Oh, that's more like it. And now, Lakers Chat with your hosts, George and All right. Welcome to the Purple and Gold Lounge, episode 28, where we have a special guest on our show for you. But before we get into that, let's just go through our normal formalities. Uh, If this is the first time listening to the show, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play, Spotify, anywhere else that you like to get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to us. If you haven't already, rate and review the show on iTunes. Give us that juicy five-star review if you haven't already as we move up and we try to go up into the standings so that way you could find us on itunes um as far as the social media plugs you can find us on twitter at pgl underscore podcast which is where you can find my twitter handle at cream puff hs and my brother's twitter handle at arduous nicholas if you don't know how to spell that go to pgl underscore podcast where you find the information there my name is george this is my co-host nick this is our weekly show that we normally do but instead of nick and i just making up random stuff and talking about how the lakers are doing bad or good or what streak they're on or how mad josh hart is or who's getting traded we got a special guest his name is brandon scoop b robinson that's his twitter handle is at scoop b he is the host of the Scoop B Radio podcast, senior writer for B-Ball Society and contributor on Heavy.com. Uh, quick bio on him. He was uh, 12 years old when he was a Nets reporter from 97 to 99, where he co-hosted a show called Nets Slammin' Planet with former Nets legend Albert King. He did it with W fans Evan Roberts and Nets play-by-play man Chris Carino. Scoop B has also been a writer and radio host at CBS, a staff writer at The Source Magazine, and managing editor columnist at Respect Magazine. He's a graduate at Don Bosco Prep, Eastern University, and Hofstra University. Did I leave anything else out, Brandon? 
No, I think you pretty much covered it. Gentlemen, thank you for having me on your show. Hey, I really do appreciate you taking the time. We know you're a busy man. Yeah, let's, uh, let's jump right into it. Um, uh, let's kind of begin. You have a great, incredible resume as we just uh, painted a picture on. Uh, let's start from the beginning. How did you get to where you are today? Maybe you could start as start off telling us about how uh, you became a, uh, a Nets reporter at 12 years old. Well, even before the whole Nets thing, um, my family actually owned uh, businesses in Harlem. Uh, you guys might have heard of Harlem, Apollo Theaters there. Oh, yeah. Uh, a few other places. And um, my, my family um, owned a shoe store, owned a sneaker store uh, and owned a shoe store. Shoe store was called Men's Walker. Sneaker store was called The Athlete's Foot. We were the only black owned <laughs> foot in New York State. And oh, wow. <clears throat> what happened was um, here I come along. And as a kid, like I, you, you see pictures of me as a baby, Hakeem Olajuwon holding me, uh, Dominique Wilkins holding me as a kid. Me seeing sneaker releases and clock the Dr. Dr. Doc, excuse me, Fly Drexler was there. I'm saying Dr. Dre. He played Dr. Clyde the God. Yeah, he had, <laughs> he had a whole Avia campaign with his sneakers back then. You know what I'm talking about. So um, as a kid, I really just drew to that. And then in addition to that, my uncle Billy was a commissioner of parks uh, for for citywide basketball league. So anybody who was anyone who came out of New York City, Kenny Anderson, Stephon Marbury, Bernard King, uh, Kenny the Jet Smith, Mark Jackson, um, they all knew my uncle. And um, it's actually worked in my favor uh, going into the net situation and even now. So that was in the early 90s. Um, as a kid, I was talkative. My mother and my stepfather did the best that they could to um, put me, I guess, channel my energy into things that I was interested in. I mentioned my stepfather as well. He's actually from the west side of Chicago, which is down the street from uh, Chicago Stadium and now the United Center. And so I fell in love with Michael and the Bulls in 91. And, um, you know, a combination of the sneaker store, a combination of just citywide and all that stuff. By the time that the Nets came around, I was in love with basketball. That was six years in. And um, basically, uh, there was an audition at Chelsea Pier in Manhattan. And uh, there was an audition for kids to um, audition to be radio personalities uh, for a local radio station called 1660 AM Oswald Radio, which was uh, in Jersey City, New Jersey. So I was I was picked over 200 kids through the first audition. I got the second audition and I auditioned at Dangerfield Comedy Club. Nailed it. And wow. so what happened was um, we did like radio commercials. You guys remember the Crash Dummies? Yeah, I remember the Crash yeah, Dummies. Yeah. So like we take the commercial with the crash dummies. Um, <laughs> that was the first, that was the first and only thing I did with, with those guys. And what happened was this was 97. So at that time, the Nets were in the process of rebranding. John Calipari was the head coach. Uh, oh, wow. The, the, the vice president of basketball operations, I believe at the time. And they drafted this guy, uh, the 97 draft named Keith Van Horn out of Utah. And yeah, I remember him. <laughs> <laughs> he's from California. Um, and so what happened was they were going through a rebrand and they had a new logo and um, the Nets liked me. I had an interview and kind of that was how it got started with Keith. And it's not stuff magazine and, and really and truly um, it was a blessed opportunity to kind of that's where I got my start. When I, I was telling a story, when I was a kid, I actually saw Wolf, who was covering the Nets for the Bergen record. Um, I saw Chris Broussard, who was covering the Nets and the Knicks for the New York Times. And in the visitor's locker room, I would see Stephen A. Smith. Uh, covering the Sixers and Allen Iverson back then in the 90s at the Philadelphia Inquirer. So um, I, if they feel old, I feel old too. 
<laughs> Dang, man, you're well connected. That's crazy. Yeah. Man, that's epic. Uh, did, uh, so, like, once you got to where you are today, like, what is it like uh, being Brandon Robinson today? Um, I'm still putting in the work, first and foremost, but I'm introducing myself to a whole new audience that did, don't know or don't care who the hell Brandon Robinson is. And, and so you have to earn your stripes and you have to be, you know, consistent. You know, I started before the digital age. And so now, uh, in the words of my favorite rapper, Jay-Z, allow me to reintroduce myself. Um, <laughs> and that's where that September tweet is. I'm looking at the rundown of who I am um, comes into play with Kevin Durant. But, um, you know, really and truly, what's it like to be branded? I mean, first and foremost, I'm a son. Um, I, I, I have three sisters, a brother. Uh, I have a grandmother. I have family. You know, and I also, you know, there, there's a duality. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm branded and then I'm Scoopy. But more than anything, I'm a person who... who says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. I'm a man of my word, and, and I love what I do more than anything. I love God, and I just try to be the best person that I can be every day. And it really comes across, I think, in uh, some of the work that you do on Twitter and uh, on your various columns. You seem to be putting in the work, you put in the grind, and it seems like you love what you do. Uh, and we do really do appreciate that, especially in this world where you know a lot of people are out there uh, putting out whatever content that is just to get you know, a click or, um, uh, just to get a mention here and there, but they're only doing it, uh, in bites. They're only doing it just to get, you know, a little flame, little, little, uh, little famous, you know, 15 minutes of fame, but it looks like you're going in there and, and putting in the grind. So we do really do appreciate that. Especially somebody who's taken in that kind of content. You live in the dream, man. <laughs> trying to, man. trying yeah. to every day, every day. But yeah, you, you kind of referenced it back in uh, September is when you made some waves on Twitter, uh, when you tweeted about Durant, uh, just to get into some of the background in case any of our listeners uh, don't know much about that, uh, Brandon had uh, tweeted out uh, back in September, uh, and I'm going to quote it. He wrote, spoke to a source today who confirmed Kevin Durant will be at L.A. Laker next year, just like LeBron planned his move to L.A. a year or more earlier. KD is doing the same right now. They want to form the best duo in the NBA and set up KD to be the face of the Lakers post-LeBron. Now, you also followed up by saying, you know, LeBron, KD, and Kyle Kuzma were all together at a filming downtown L.A. KD and LeBron's crew were there. Uh, KD will be a Laker next summer. Book it. I think since we've learned that uh, it looks like Kuzma, uh, LeBron, and um, Kevin Durant were actually filming uh, an episode of The Boardroom with Jay Williams, uh, uh, which was basically talking about how to build a brand. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then you you had followed up after that saying, again, not confirming anything. Source seemed adamant. I downgrade and say he's highly considering at best. It's a lot. It's a long season and a lot of things can happen between now and then. Now, obviously a lot has happened between now and then. If you want that, what's that? I said a lot has happened. Stevie Wonder can see that. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. So basically just to get everybody up to speed, KD, uh, you know, I since called LeBron's media circus, a toxic environment when he was being interviewed by Rick Beaker for Bleacher Report. And even more recently, uh, KD spoke to Chris Haynes uh, at Yahoo Sports, uh, basically talking about how he doesn't want to be recruited anymore or at least he doesn't want to be recruited much like LeBron, that he's looking to get as much money as possible. And he even uh, mentioned how he wants to have a statue in front of the new chase arena uh, for the golden state Warriors. So basically if you were trying to read into this for face value, you think who could pay him the most money, the Warriors, why would they give him a statue in the front of chase arena? If he doesn't play a game in there. And if he wants to play with LeBron, why would he want to do that in a toxic environment? Now I have a, like a couple theories. One is uh, I think, Maybe part of it is this Kevin Durant is trying to 
keep his teammates off of them <laughs> from any speculation that, oh, you're just going off to the Lakers. You know, case in point, uh, Draymond Green and him having this tension throughout the years, uh, that it's unspoken tension that kind of just blew up. And then the other thought is, well, maybe it has to do with tampering type things, or maybe it has nothing to do with that. And he has changed his mind because Kevin Durant is a fickle person. So that's the background. I just wanted to let you kind of talk about it from there. What's your thoughts on uh, up to this point? Um, well, yeah. So first and foremost, um, I did put out that tweet um, about it. A lot has happened since then. It is a long season. Um, but I think that when you look at what Kevin Durant said to Rick Buca, excuse me, Rick Buca, firstly, um, he never said he didn't want to play with LeBron. Uh, he was asked the question about what it was like playing with LeBron. And I think that in the, in the age of aggregation, um, a lot of times people can take articles for wherever it wants to be. I can say on the show, stupid. And then someone can say, Brandon Robinson said that the two brothers on this show, who <laughs> stupid. you know, yeah. I, I think you guys are very intelligent, so I wouldn't call you stupid, but, um, <laughs> I think in the age of aggregation, I think that people can twist things to whatever they want it to be. Um, and I think that he told his truth as far as it was LeBron going, or rather how people playing with LeBron uh, can make them alter their game. Uh, you saw it with Chris Bosh. You saw it with Kevin Love. Um, somebody like Kyle Korver didn't have to adjust his game because he was in his late 30s when he came to the Cavaliers. You know, but, you know, even Dwayne Wade had to defer a little bit in Miami because Dwayne Wade's body, you know, he had to listen to his body. Um, as it relates to my buddy Chris Haynes, I did not see that interview. I don't want to misspeak or, or, or comment, but um, based upon what I can say is based upon the most money, yeah, the Warriors can offer the most money, but I also do think that if you look at the moves that Kevin Durant made, um, it's no different than the moves that um, Kevin Garnett made when he went to Boston with, with Pierce and Allen, and it's no different than what LeBron did. Uh, with the Heat in the early 2010s and, and, and even now with the Lakers. Um, right. but, I, but I do think um, that the source who, who did share that information with me, he and I discussing it, I think it was kind of early. And me as an Indian, as a guy who's growing, and through many people who thought I was new, I had to kind of get that out because at the end of the day, um, if, if Woe says it, you're going to believe it. And I have all the respect in the world for Woe. I've never... I'll never diss him, but I, I also do think that um, if you got something and you got to scoop it as hot, you got to go after it. But what I will tell you is, you know, I spoke to Bomani Jones after it was over, and he said, "Bro, watch that word confirm." He said, "Your report was right. It was good. It was it was all that, but that word confirm uh, in the instance of Kevin Durant, um, a lot can change. And so, you know, when that whole fight or that dispute with with he and Draymond and uh, the and Demarcus Cousins kind of breaking it up a little bit, what are the odds of that?" Um, all those different things, um, things can change and, um, there's still a lot of the season left to play, but I do think that, um, the, the Lakers are still in the conversation. It could have been a smoke screen. Hey, he could be telling you a face value. He wants to stay with the Warriors. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah, that's what I reported. I'm sticking with my report for now. And I noticed that Stephen A kind of did the same thing back when Kevin Durant was going to be a free agent last time. And they were talking about, uh, I'm sure you remember this when Stephen A said that uh, people around Kevin Durant were planning on going to the Lakers at that time. And you then, don't want to make an enemy out of me. Yeah, the whole, yeah, you, whole, you don't want to make an enemy out of me thing came about because of that, uh, when he basically said that he was full of it. And, you know, Stephen A. Smith was adamant saying that he's leaning towards going to the Lakers. So we know that he's a sensitive individual. He may admit, say that he's not, but 
you know, maybe outside forces can make him change his mind as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, but you got to remember something. Um, I like Stephen A. a lot. Um, I respect his, his, his longevity in the game. We also do have to remember this about Stephen A. Um, Stephen A, my age group, knows him as the reporter for the Inquirer who's had different stints who elevated from reporter to television personality, even going back to the best day of sports show, then, you know, evolving to first take. And so from that first take point, people who are Kyrie Irving's age and younger know Stephen A as a TV personality. Right. And so sometimes those two things conflict a lot. Um, and I think that as it relates to Kevin Durant and Stephen A, unfortunately for Stephen A, because he's not in the, he's not in the, in the streets, he's not on the beat, but he's a TV personality, he's kind of removed um, from the NBA locker room on a day-to-day. Yeah. And so your information and your sources, I'll never doubt his information and his sources. I respect that man. But the information that you get in the street or on the beat is different than sitting in a studio in Bristol, Connecticut every day. Right. Yeah, right. And so all those guys that he covered back in the 90s or 2000s, some of those guys are in front office roles. Some of those guys are enjoying retirement. Some of those guys are assistant coaches. But he's kind of, in some respects, not all respects, removed from that culture because he doesn't have to be. He earned his stripes. Right. And so I think sometimes when Stephen A gets louder voices like that, I think it's because um, he's used to being the man with the guys in the 90s. And these young kids, these younger kids, these younger players, they don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. Whole different generation. Yeah. Yeah. They basically, they they know him as a TV personality. They don't, they don't realize some of the, the work he's done and the groundwork he's had uh, since then. And he, he may be getting his information from, like you mentioned, maybe uh, second or third hand from people he was connected with earlier. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, you, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh yeah. Okay. A little, a little cracked, a little, yeah, cracked a little bit there. Uh, but yeah, so in general, in, in terms of uh, Kevin Durant, you're thinking maybe he's still undecided or do you think he's still possibly leaning towards Lakers? I, I, I go back to something Ramona Shelbourne said about a month or so ago. Um, she, she said on a radio show in LA, ESPN in LA that, uh, you know, Kevin Durant is going to come down to the last minute. Um, and I think when he looks at this season, I think a few things are going to depend on, okay, so do the Warriors win the finals? Do they lose in the finals? Do they make the finals? Does Clay lead? Does he stay? What do they do with Draymond? What do they do with um, Demarcus? I think yeah. the va- and I also do think that Kevin Durant's decision will start to domino based on what Kawhi and Anthony Davis do. Will Anthony Davis get traded? Because you remember Anthony Davis is in a similar situation that Kawhi was in last summer. Kawhi wanted to go to the Lakers. Popovich couldn't move him. He went to Toronto. Now, Kawhi has options. He stay in Toronto. Does he go to Brooklyn? What does Kyrie do? So I think there are a lot of factors that go into what KD does. Like when you looked at last summer, it all depended on what LeBron did. Now, yeah. it's going to depend on what um, Kyrie, Kawhi, 
and Anthony Davis are doing. Gotcha. That makes sense. It's interesting you bring up uh, uh, Brooklyn as being an option for Kawhi. I saw you tweet that the other day. Uh, it it kind of makes sense in the sense of like he spent a lot of time in New York uh, this past year and that it's like a, a low-profile environment, kind of like the L.A. Clippers are in the L.A. land. Do you want to expound on that one? When has New York ever been low-key to you? That's, that's... Okay. I mean, like – New York Knicks and Brooklyn <laughs> Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, but do you think the Nets hang out in Brooklyn? I mean, I have no problem with Brooklyn. There's cool places to hang out in Brooklyn. But, I mean, most of those I, guys – go ahead. I mean, I mean, in terms of just, like, the media scrutiny, like, that the Knicks versus the Nets have. Well, I'll put this out there. The Nets uh, are the best team in New York City right now. Um, but the Knicks also have some issues, you know, the injury to Chris Dapps Porzingis, um, and then just some other factors that go into it. But um, to directly answer your question about the Nets, I mean, um, I think the Nets and, and the Nets and Knicks comparison versus the Clippers and Lakers comparison is similar but different. At least the Nets have been to a couple of NBA finals. Um, True. At, at, at least. Um, you know, the Nets lost one of those to the Lakers. But, you know, at least the Knicks, I mean, the Knicks haven't been to the finals since 94. Yeah. No, I take that back. I'm sorry. They haven't been to the finals since 99. Yeah, Sprewell, yeah, well, yeah, all those guys. Yes. yes. The Nets have been there sooner. You know, the Nets had Jason Kidd. But at the same time, that was the New Jersey Nets. This is the Brooklyn Nets. And um, the Nets have been in a position where, you know, they, they just signed Spencer Dinwiddie. There's been reports that, you know, D'Angelo Russell uh, could be on the move, um, but he's been playing well. That's the thing. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, there's an assumption that Jimmy Butler's going to resign with Philadelphia. Um, and, you know, there's an assumption that Kyrie Irving, based upon what he said uh, in Boston when I asked, will he come back? And he said, if you'll have me. Well, right. that stuff didn't hold up in court. Um, right. It wouldn't hold up in court if, it, if, if, if he was, if, 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 because uh, he put his hand on the Bible. But, yeah. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, um, I think the Paul George uh, rhetoric comes into play as it did with OKC. You know, he ended up staying with the Thunder. You know, what if Kawhi Leonard goes to the finals with the Raptors this year? That's realistic. What if they win? You know, that could be a whole different conversation. Um, So I I think when you look at Brooklyn, I think Brooklyn is an option. I think that the, the, the Toronto Raptors are definitely after, particularly if the Raptors go to the finals and if they were to win. Um, and also, um, the Clippers are still there. You know, I think that the Lakers are in a good position as well. Uh, but I do think that they definitely have their eyes set on Anthony Davis and they do have their eyes set on um, Kevin Durant. Um, and I think that as much as people want to make it seem like nobody wants to play with LeBron, there are a huge bunch of people that want to play with LeBron, and I, and I can see KD and LeBron doing it. So to, to go to your question about Kawhi Leonard, I think that Kawhi Leonard is, is in the driver's seat. I think it depends on what Toronto does this season, and it depends on you know what he ultimately decides what he wants to do moving forward. He has a championship already. Yeah. So, so you pretty much think Kawhi is more the tipping point rather than Kevin Durant's decision this offseason? As far Kawhi- as the dominoes. I think it's going to start at the top with Kawhi, and I think it's going to work its way down with gotcha. KD and Kyrie Irving. And I, I think that, um, I think that you know, I think as much as LeBron going to the Lakers was a power move for himself, 
because I think that there's going to be a, a structure shift with the Golden State Warriors. They remind me so much of the 98 Bulls after they won that championship. It's like, it's, it's, sometimes it feels like, is this the end? Particularly because I feel like the Rockets found the cheat code with them last, last season in the playoffs. Yeah, they could. If Chris Paul would have played and they would have hit even a little bit more of those three pointers, it would have been over. It's crazy. Like they were still within single digits, even with all that considered. Mm-hmm. I'm with you on that. Um, so like, uh, you kind of mentioned, uh, Anthony Davis a little bit earlier. Um, where does Anthony Davis, like, I want you to pretend that you're Rob Palinka from now until all the rest of the next season. Um, would you, uh, trade for Anthony Davis now, uh, to avoid a Celtics, uh, you know, kind of bidding war uh, you before to. you have to, huh? Yeah. That's what you would do. You have to, because I mean, you think about it. Um, they got to move Contavious Caldwell uh, Pope's contract if they hope to get Anthony Davis. Yeah, they, it's only one year left. Yeah, it's one year left. It's an attractive expiring contract, but the thing, the whole the but the but the determinant factor is, um, if it comes down to it, okay, you're able to show off Brandon Ingram right now. Um, as LeBron is out, I feel like this was a blessing in disguise Le- right now. The LeBron injury during Christmas because you're able to showcase your young talent. But that means Brandon Ingram has to play his tail off. But if I'm Rob Palenka, what if a team asks me for Kyle Kuzma? Do I give it up? And if I give up Kyle Kuzma in addition to Brandon Ingram and something else, what are the odds that like you got to you got to kind of um, gauge that 100 percent sure? Um, Kevin Durant is coming or signing with the Lakers because if that's what you're trying to build around a three-team lineup, you want your future to be also based around Kyle Kuzma. So I, I feel like they're in the they're they're in a good space, but the Pelicans want more than what the Lakers are offering. Right. Um, and when you look at the Celtics, they have four draft picks, um, and this summer, depending on what Kyrie does, they have the option of uh, getting Anthony Davis because they can't get him now because of the Derrick Rose rule. But at the same time, you know, I think the whole up with the, with the Celtics is, do we give up Jason Tatum to get Anthony Davis? You might have to. You might have to. So I feel like that those, I feel like the Lakers are both in a tough situation. And the other thing is, suppose Anthony Davis says, screw both of y'all, I'm going to stay. Because statistically right now, he and Julius Randle are, are, are gelling. Yeah, they're gelling, but they're losing. That's the problem. <laughs> and that's but, why, I, but, I, but I also do feel like the Pelicans are in a situation where they can rebuild if Anthony Davis commits to them. Right. People will want to play with Anthony Davis because he's going to become that magnet. So as much as the Lakers are pulling, as much as the Celtics are interested, you had Chris Sheridan on the Scoopy Radio podcast recently. He said that Danny Ainge has been, has been gawking at Anthony Davis since Kentucky. And somebody tweeted at me and said, that's stalking. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think that the what the Pelicans, like, they can offer them the most money, but, you know, what are, what are the Lakers and the Celtics both good at? Attracting stars. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's you know? the thing. I, don't, I, I just, in my mind, maybe it's like a bad perception, but I, in my mind, I don't see a lot of people flocking to New Orleans. I mean, 
uh, Anthony Davis would be a good reason, but outside of that, you know, usually you're, you're talking about you like the Lakers, how, Miami. I mean, you think about the coverage they get already with like a top three NBA player. They get almost no coverage. And sometimes you can get seats for like 12 bucks that are like near the bowl, lower bowl uh, in New Orleans. So you just wonder if he's thinking about his brand long term, you know, being in a big market like LA and even the Celtics because of their tradition. It does seem to make a lot of sense. But like my thought is in terms of leverage, uh, can't New Orleans just kind of play chicken with the Lakers right now? Because because, because look, if you really like, I if you saw my reports on Twitter about um, Trevor Ariza and the, the the thing that canceled like the Lakers and the Suns were discussing Trevor Ariza coming, but the holdup was the Suns wanted Lonzo Ball and the Lakers said heck no. Yeah, and what I'll tell you is. The Pelicans are in a similar situation where they know the Lakers wear Anthony Davis and they're going to post for whatever they can get. The Lakers going to bite? You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and too, if, if they're trying to, to leverage LeBron at his age, because my thing is Anthony Davis basically has to tell New Orleans uh, management that he's only going to sign with the Lakers and no other team just to take leverage away from uh, the Celtics. and. And even if he does that, my thing is the Pelicans are just going to basically say like, all right, wait till 2020 to sign with the Lakers. And if they play, if they play chicken and play that poker game with the Lakers, you know, LeBron's not going to want to sign a bunch of one year deals again and wait for 2020 when he's 35. So that's like, that's my biggest reason uh, worry is that the Pelicans do decide to play chicken with the Lakers, even if it risks them, maybe not getting as much value from, uh, from Anthony Davis, just saying if he does go to the management and do it that way. Yeah, ultimately, um, it comes down to what the Pelicans want, but it also comes down to what Anthony Davis wants too. Right. And did Anthony, do you know Anthony Davis doesn't have a no trade clause, does he? I don't think so. I don't think he does. Yeah. Um, that would, that would uh, put the, the Peloton is in a really hard situation at that point, but I don't think he does. I mean, uh, a lot of, a lot of people assume that he's, he's making ways towards the Lakers just because of the whole clutch sports thing. And then plus the, uh, the recent, you know, dinner that LeBron and, uh, Anthony Davis went on, who knows what happened at that dinner. Uh, but I don't know. It's, it's interesting to see what happens from there. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, um, I think that Anthony Davis and LeBron definitely can communicate and have the luxury of uh, representing, being represented by the same agent and also having Magic Johnson back anything that LeBron does, which is, I guess, a good thing. If you're Rob Polinka, would you be willing to give up all the Lakers' young core or who would you want to keep out of them? Like, Obviously, you want to keep one of them, but if you had push come to shove, would you trade them all for Anthony Davis? You're saying what I t- trade uh, Kuzma and Ingram for Anthony Davis? Yeah, and Hart and Lonzo. Like, say they wanted all the young core. Would you do that, or is there no way you're doing all of them? You only like choose two or three. Like, who would you be willing to give up? I mean, you're trading your whole farm. Yeah, it's a little much, huh? Yeah, because then if you trade them, what do you have left? You have Josh Hart. You have LeBron. You have. You can build up Svee, 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 Mikhailuk, Zubak, Zubac. I like Zubac. He's been playing pretty good last few games. Yeah, not so much last game, but prior to that, he's playing pretty good. 
I mean, but then it goes back to what I said about Anthony Davis. When you look at that situation with Anthony Davis where I said, okay, he stays with the Pelicans, then he can get other guys to want to play with him. I feel like LeBron would get guys to play with him. Yeah. And so, okay, say you trade the whole farm and you get Anthony Davis. Um, Then do you add the three-headed monster and you get Kevin Durant in the offseason? Like, I think at the end of the day, you know, many people say Brandon Ingram plays like KD. I'm not willing to co-sign. Yeah. <laughs> not yet. No. Not yet. Because <laughs> I feel like that everybody thinks that lazy game means you play like KD. But <laughs> people used to get mad. People, I mean, I'm a rap guy, so people used to say fabulous raps like Mace. <laughs> lazy flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so when I look at when I look at Kuzma the same way, people see that lazy game. I mean, you look at Trace McGrady, he was like that too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wow, skinny, skinny, wiry, can shoot. But I feel like as much as T Mac was a shooter and a scorer, he was a playmaker too. Yeah, we're seeing that from Kuzma. It seems like he's opening his game up a lot more than him just being sort of a, a tunnel vision scorer like he was last year. Yeah, but 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 to directly answer your question, I could talk about basketball all day as you <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, I, it's a, that's an intriguing question uh, as it relates to trading the whole farm. But if you have a guarantee of getting Anthony Davis, um, and you also get Kevin Durant that next or, or this offseason, it's a thought because I think that going into the season, many people just assume that the Lakers were not playing for keeps, and they weren't. They they knew that you know this was Golden State's last run. Yeah. But the West is just, just as wide open. The West is more wide open than the East is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 100%. And top to bottom. Outside oh, one of Phoenix to 14 Suns. is crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy in the West right now. Uh, it's just weird in terms of like how the mechanics have to go about it, too. It seems like if the Lakers want to build a three-headed monster, they almost have to do things in a different way. Like, uh, as far as I know, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, they would have to wait until the summer First, sign a Kawhi, a KD, uh, with their uh, with their cap space, and then they're able to make the trade with Anthony Davis. Because if they do it the other way around, and I'm not sure if this is true or not, but uh, because uh, because Anthony Davis makes money into next year as well, it sort of bleeds into their cap space that they can't sign a max deal. But they have to do it the other way around in terms of trading bird rights and playing the luxury tax. Um, exactly. Yeah. So that's what's that's what's crazy. All the different ways of like, there's incentive to trade them now because the Celtics aren't part of it. But if they wait, they have the option of getting all three. But if they wait two, then the Celtics have more assets to trade and yada yada yada. And KD <laughs> or somebody would have to take, be willing to take a big pay cut in order for that to if, work. If right? it happened the other way, around. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> makes it makes it real interesting. Quite. All right, Nick. Um, so I know you're a very uh, socially – we're going to change gears up a little bit. Um, I know you're a very socially conscious person. Uh, what did you make about the uh, LeBron getting that Jewish money Instagram post? And do you think an apology was necessary? Well, I have respect for my, my, my brothers and sisters in the Jewish faith, um, period. Then I'll add, mm-hmm. if the only stereotype that my race had that they were rich, I'd feel that was a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how I thought it was, you know, but uh, I think the layman understood the same way too. Like I, I honestly, um, I don't know if you know, Greg Bergman, he's a, he's one of the ESPN uh, producers for ESPN LA, the Mason and Ireland show out here in LA. 
And uh, he, I'm, I tweet back with him a few different times and he's a Jewish guy and I asked him, uh, was he offended by this? And he said, absolutely not, but I can see how some people would be. But even Max Kellerman uh, said he wasn't offended by it. So I don't know. I, I just felt like to me personally, uh, I guess apology is always a safe way to go. But to me, I felt like it was more of a compliment. Well, first and foremost, I know if you know Greg Bergman, I know that uh, you guys are family. That's my dude. We actually met a couple of months ago and we, we text back and forth. So, oh, nice. Uh, he, he is the, he is the top uh, man in the Jewish community. I need to know in LA, so I know I'm in good hands. <laughs> <laughs> as far as that, as far as that comment, I, I'm, I have mixed emotions about it from this perspective. I don't know if you guys remember this. But years ago, Reverend Jesse Jackson made a comment about New York City and said that it was Jaime Town. No, I know, I know, I didn't get that. And I know that ever since he made that particular comment, a lot of people looked at him differently. You have to, I mean, me growing up, you have to just be very careful what you say in general. Um, LeBron James is an African-American making comments about the Jewish faith or the Jewish culture or the Jewish race. Me, me personally growing up, I was always taught you don't say negative things about Jewish people. Yeah. As mm-hmm. an American. Those are things that were taught in my house. Gotcha. Um, because it was taught to me that, you know, the people, you either get along with the Jewish faith or you get along with the Muslim faith. I happen to get along with both. Yeah. But those two faiths have a lot of dictation on spending power have a lot of they 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 got decision making powers you just got to be very careful as far as the apology goes i think that he didn't necessarily owe one but i think it was good because jewish people buy his jerseys just as much as black folks buy his jerseys just as much yeah. as Italian folks buy his jersey. And you just have to be, when you're in, everything that you say will get scrutinized. I'm sure somebody could listen to what I said now and somebody could say, he said, hi, me town. But I was referencing. Yeah, exactly. That's a, a- aggregate that. <laughs> I'm going to cut that up right now. I'm <laughs> <laughs> you just have to be very, very careful. And I think that, um, I, I'll give you guys a story. So when I was in college, um, I've never publicly said this. I said because it's funny. Years later, mm-hmm. I was I, I went to a I went to a Christian college, and I lived in a dorm hall. I was the only black person on that floor. As my mother would say, I was the only chocolate chip in a bowl of vanilla ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> and we were playing Madden, and I was kicking ass. And uh-huh. I was just you know you just talk smack, and I right. said these guys in my room. Or in the hall, I said, I'm kicking all you saltines' asses. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if he is a white guy, I think that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, it was funny. They were laughing. So uh-huh. the next day, I'm in the lunchroom, sit with my friends, and the dean of students came up to me, and he's, he's African-American, and he said, Brandon, um, you need to watch your mouth. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you know. I said, no, I don't. He said, I got a report that you were calling white people crackers. I said, no, I didn't. He said, yes, you did. I said, no, I didn't. He said, well, what did you say? I said, I called them saltines. Uh, completely different than the crackers. 
<laughs> all, it was all in fun. I swear, I'm not racist. I thought it was funny. Oh, and I didn't. It's funny, yeah. It's hilarious. So he was like, Brandon, just shut up. Just watch what you say. Watch your mouth. So I called my mother and I told her what I said. And she said, how would you like it if you if if the shoes on the other foot and you had a whole bunch of black guys in the dorm and this white guy said, I'm kicking all you Toll House cookies asses. How would you feel? <laughs> I think you're right. I probably want to kick his ass too. <laughs> I guess it all depends on the person, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Words carry meaning. And I think yeah. it relates to race. I think until we are comfortable having a conversation about it rather yeah. than dancing around it, and, and and I think that those conversations about it was good. But here's the other thing. The thing that gets lost in translation is um, 21 Savage was saying Jewish money make it kosher. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I like a good pastrami sandwich from Carnegie Deli. That's culture. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. He was just, exactly. LeBron was quoting a lyric like he does in all his Instagram posts. It's just, I think the timing of it was just weird because of the whole uh, slave mentality comment that he made the same weekend. I think people just wanted to pile on him. Yeah, I think there is such a thing as over... Um, there's such a thing as over Le- LeBron overstimulation. Sometimes LeBron, as much as he means well, as much as he's a mogul, as much as he plays basketball, sometimes he, he, be, he can become a lot. And the thing that about that, that whole um, slave mentality and owner thing was he pre-taped that in the summer. Yeah. And it was the thing about Anthony Davis early in the week. And then you closed the week with that Instagram <laughs> video. It's, yeah. And then he said the stuff about um, – you can't find me. It's no tampering. It's like, yeah, well, we got you now. <laughs> yeah, where he basically, yeah, I, I, I was thinking that too. And I think Stephen A even commented on it. Like LeBron might be feeling himself too much yes. and, that, and that he's just, uh, he's, he's getting, he's feeling more invincible than he needs to feel, even though he, he is at the top. He's just worried about him. He doesn't want him to get too much criticism coming his way. Yeah. You got to be careful. LA is not Miami. LA is not um, Cleveland. And the other thing is, um, I think LeBron has been on this tirade of not giving a damn. And sometimes you have to give a damn. Him showing up to the last game with a uh, glass of wine in his hand? Is that- <laughs> That's not what happened. He, listen, <laughs> listen, he went to church. He got his Christmas communion late. And he oh, had okay. Harry Price. The bread of heaven. <laughs> okay. Is that what that was? <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I love the side of LeBron, even coming from a guy who disliked LeBron prior to when he signed to L.A. Uh, you learn to respect what he does. And, like, uh, I mean, he's a guy who's making moves, uh, all sorts, and he's still keeping focus on his game. His game's still speaking for himself. It sucks that he's hurt right now. Uh, but, you know, I, I commend him for – for putting himself out there and doing that though. Yeah, um, I do too. I think, but I think that he's doing it his way. And yeah. I think whenever you go against the system and you do it your way, I think that's the, the, the role of most resistance is when you do it the opposite way of what everybody else is doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, at least he's doing it in California rather than the Midwest or the South, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I think you're right. And I also think that, um, I think for LeBron, I think he is charting territory that has never been charted. And I'll say this as I'm thinking about it and talking to you, I get a flashback to Allen Iverson. Um, you remember when Allen Iverson uh, 
was going to drop that album, and he had all he n word and every other sentence, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just I feel like LeBron is literally Michael Jordan and Diddy in their prime. Diddy was a mogul. Michael Jordan was the best basketball player in his generation. Mm-hmm. LeBron has television shows. He has intellectual property. He has Space Jam 2. He's playing for the Lakers. When one side of you crosses over to the other side, so the creative side of LeBron was making the comments about NFL owners. That counteracted with LeBron, the basketball player, and the whole Anthony Davis thing. So it's like, mm-hmm. you, 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 you know, it's the Beyonce versus Sasha Fears effect. Yeah, exactly. I got you. <laughs> so many dimensions to him that they, they conflict. He means well, but, but the timing was a little off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying for sure. Man. Uh, well, uh, hey, Brandon, uh, we do appreciate you coming on the show today, uh, especially uh, you being our first uh, big guest and you uh, you know being able to share some of your time. I know you're a busy guy. I know you got stuff to do. And uh, we do wish you... Uh, the very best New Year as well. I have I have a question before you go though. Um, I was I was listening to uh, one of your uh, podcasts when you're I think you were talking to somebody in Tucson, Arizona. Yeah, and, and uh, you said that Demarcus Cousins reminds you a lot of uh, Chris Weber. Uh, like just not only because he was a Sacramento King, but just how he plays the game. He can shoot. Mm-hmm. He can, He's a he can plays bully ball too. Mm-hmm. Um, I was. I just want to throw the same question at you. Who does LeBron James remind you of? Uh, do I have to give you just one? It's like late. He's like late potato chips. You can't have just one. <laughs> exactly. Oh, great. Tell me who LeBron is. Uh, who's who? Who of the past generation molds LeBron James? I think LeBron is a is an eclectic mix um, that even Picasso couldn't paint. Um, when you from a basketball perspective, um, I think. LeBron is more magic, more Penny Hardaway, and more Oscar Robertson than he is Michael Jordan. Um, I think that in Miami, I think him playing with Wade and playing and being around the business mind of Pat Riley, he kind of learned that clutch. I don't know if clutch is the word, but just he was the guy in a way he wasn't in Cleveland. Um, but I do think that there are flashes of back to the basket like Barkley. Uh, I think that there is a, 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 um, I think that there, there are just, I think the, the biggest guys are Barkley. The biggest guys are Oscar Robertson. The biggest guys in comparison are, are, are uh, Magic Johnson, uh, Penny Hardaway. There's a T-Mac side to him. Um, I think the only thing that is similar to him in Michael, in the Michael Jordan aspect is um, that nervous tick. Le- Michael stuck his tongue out. LeBron puts his hand inside of his jersey and he bites his nails. Um, yeah. <laughs> and he wears the number 23. Uh, but yeah. I, I, oftentimes we look to put people in boxes because that's what's comfortable. Alicia Keys is one of my favorite singers, but to call her a rapper would be ignorant. But to just call her a pianist would be ignorant, too, because right. she's an artist. Exactly. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. All right. Well, before you go, rapid fire. I'm just going to say their name. You're going to say if they're what team they're going to be on by the by the uh, by next Lord. year. Okay. Okay. All right. Where is Kawhi going to be? Toronto. Toronto. All right. Jimmy Butler. Philadelphia. Kevin Durant. Los Angeles Lakers. 
Mm-hmm. Anthony Davis. Los Angeles Lakers. Ooh, I like that. All right. <laughs> you heard it, guys. That's Brandon's predictions. We do appreciate you coming on uh, late on a Sunday night. Uh, we will hopefully have this for you guys early Monday morning on your car ride to work or wherever else you're going to celebrate the New Year's Eve. We hope you have a great New Year's Eve scoop, and uh, we wish you the best in 2019. Gentlemen, thank you. And when I have my saltine crackers, I will laugh next time when I when I think this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be laughing there with you, man. <laughs> We're about to actually have tomato soup right after that, so we'll think about yes, it. Sir. <laughs> <That> too. <laughs> All right, man. Appreciate it. Thank Appreciate you so much. It. Here, fellas. All right. Take it easy. You're listening to Lakers Chat with George and Nick. Scoop B Radio. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.